Welcome to the BCSM Sports Wrap. Ryan Fulford and A.D. Drew here. Episode number two, season number five. And we are planning to uh, put a bow on sort of the preseason media day uh, look-aheads that uh, we've experienced. Uh, You caught our show, what, I guess by now, Drew, it's been probably a week or so, week and a half. Uh, you, you caught our preview of the SWAT and the CIAA as well as the OVC. Well, in this episode, we'll make sure to cover not only the SIAC, but the Big South and the MEAC. Uh, Drew, how you doing, my man? Doing fine, my brother. How you doing? I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that we got football and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful time of the year. That preseason buzz, you know, trying to get all the ducks in order, man. Trying to make sure to figure out where we're going. Um, I got to give a, 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 I'll tell you what really has been uh, uh, sort of a, a a thing that has really been taking a lot of my time is working on this uh, BCSN pod zone. And, and I'm going to give you all the credit for this because this was, this was sort of your your vision, I mean, I think I had a similar idea, but but you're the one who kind of brought it home to me um, about basically uh, all of our shows. For example, this show, obviously our show a- appears separately, you know, on all the, you know, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. You know, I was actually just kind of checking it out just to make sure we are still in everywhere we say we are. Uh, and then you were like, hey, what if we put all the shows that we have in one location so that way, if somebody wanted to bounce from one show to the next, they could easily. And so that was the creation of the BCSN pod zone. Of course, we've got our show. We've got Dr. Cavill's inside the HBCU Sports Lab, the pregame show. Then we brought in Carlos Brown show. Uh, and, and that's sort of where it started. And I know, you know, then eventually... We brought in Brave Talk with Charles Edmond. Uh, Charles Edmond, of course, the voice of Alcorn State Athletics. So, you know, he, he, he puts together some great conversations with uh, with some people there. Uh, coming up later in the fall, we've got Knights at the Round Table. So it's just like we can kind of put everything in one nice little spot for people. And it, it really... Uh, that is, that is uh, I'm not going to lie, it's time-consuming, 
but hopefully you enjoy it. So, and I, I just kind of made sure that now, originally that was on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast. We should be, we should be on iHeartRadio. We should be on Apple Podcasts. So I encourage you, go check out the BCSN Pod Zone. That's the aggregate of all of the shows, the Black College Sports Network, Podcast Network, all of the shows that we do in one location. Of course, you can always find our show separately um, in that place. And, and then want to encourage you, go download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. You know, my JBN, my BCSN, go check out the app. You'll get alerts for all of these shows. So we just, I, I think we just continue to try to put our platform in many places. Uh, there's no one place that everybody watches. We got people who watch on YouTube. We got people who watch on Facebook. I think the more places we can put our stuff through, the better off we will be. So um, thank you for more that eyes idea. equals a larger prize. More eyes and more ears, the better, right? Yes, sir. Right. And, and, and you know, hopefully you guys will, will drop a little coffee in the bucket, uh, you know, go to, uh, you know, obviously you'll see the ad come up, I'm sure, at some point here, but you can go to uh, myjbn.com. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. You know, so go and support the Black College Sports Network, dropping a little cup of coffee, you know, in the tank. We appreciate it. So, all right, Drew. Well, we, we got to get through. We, we got we, we a, a tight show and a tight window. We want to try to get this done. It's very odd for us to try to say we're going to get as much done in an hour as we can but that is our goal right drew yes sir all right so let's kind of start with a few news and notes items that are occurring and obviously we're recording this just on the heels of the pro football hall of fame the the big weekend really it was almost like a four-day celebration for not only the class of 2021 but you had the centennial class of 2020 who did not have an opportunity to have their um, their uh, enshrinement ceremonies last year due to COVID. So uh, within that class, you know, for me personally, as a Colts fan, it was pretty cool seeing Edron James and Peyton Manning. I know for you as a Rams fan, you got to see your boy Isaac Bruce go in. Anybody else from the Rams go in that you were kind of excited to see? Not in this class. Not in this class, okay. So really, other than Isaac Bruce, uh, uh, you had him. But I will say, uh, we had an HBCU player or two go in. Well, yeah, definitely. I was gonna make make mention of that. Yeah, uh, we had a few of those guys go in. That's where I was going. So uh, we had three HBCU representatives go in. You had Harold Carmichael, Southern University grad. With the Philadelphia Eagles, he was part of the class of 2021, or 20, excuse me. Donnie Shell from South Carolina State um, became the fourth South Carolina State Bulldog to enter the Hall of Fame. Of course, he enters with the Pittsburgh Steelers, probably one of the last big names, kind of one of the last names that were left off. Uh, that's part of the Steelers. What? The steel curtain defense. Um, and then, of course, you had Bill Nunn, 
who was a part of the class of 2021, who went in as a, I believe, a contributor. Uh, that was more of the eight-man class. He went in into the Hall of Fame, of course. He's the scout who, uh, from 1964, I believe, until about maybe 2014, he was a scout for the Steelers. Uh, so many HBCU players are credited by being discovered by uh, Bill Nunn, including Donnie Shell, who undrafted. And so, you know, what was interesting, Drew, for Carmichael and Shell, there were two guys who I believe I read a story in, uh, I believe it was in The Advocate down in Baton Rouge. It took Harold Carmichael almost 40 years since he finished his playing career. Or no, let me say, it may have, actually the other way around, it may have taken uh, Shell 40 years and it took Carmichael 30. Either way, you know, the guys, you know, it's such, it's so hard getting into the Hall of Fame. You know, Carmichael was a receiver and, you know, he was a big receiver, but he came up in the 80s when the game was totally different. You know, that game was more, it was more of a running game. Uh, He was on some teams with the Philadelphia Eagles that, you know, be honest, uh, in his first half of his career, those probably weren't good teams with Philadelphia Eagles. Nope. So, you know, even though he was on a part of the all-decade team from, I believe, the 70s, uh, yeah, he was a, he was on the 70s all-decade second team. He had to go up against guys like Drew Pearson, who, matter of fact, just got in in the class of 2021. Uh, Lynn Swan, Stallworth, Paul Warfield. I mean, guys who were on teams that were a little more glamorous than the Philadelphia Eagles. So he kind of got lost in the shuffle. And thanks to this uh, centennial team of trying to find guys who maybe what they call slip through the cracks, not only did Donnie Shell find his way into the Hall of Fame, but you know, so did Carmichael and, and we could go through this. You could go through the accolades for Donnie shell. I mean, they're, I mean, here's a guy who, um, he was, let's see where, uh, I was looking for here. Um, well, I, I had it pulled up here, but of course, uh, you know, shell was shell. I think he finished, with uh, the most interceptions as part of that Steelers secondary. Uh, So uh, in his hall of fame speech, I thought it was, uh, it was really, it was really well prepared to hear Donnie shell talk about uh, the influence of Willie Jeffries and how Willie Jeffries sort of prepared him to be able to make the Pittsburgh Steelers as an undrafted free agent, because Willie Jeffries had guys believing they could do anything. And that's what he did. Um, and so it was, it was a very cool moment for HBCUs to see Carmichael, to see Shell get in. And then, of course, to see Bill Nunn, uh, a, a writer for the Pittsburgh Courier, 
this longtime scout. I mean, a lot. I mean, he he's one of those names that are just mentioned as one of the the goats of scouting, and and who he was able to find for teams. Uh, it, it makes you wonder who's going to. It, it makes you wonder if we'll ever have another Bill Nunn type scout. Uh, what, what, any thoughts you want to share on the on the Hall of Fame weekend, Drew? No, but just one thought I want to give. Now we've gone back and got two former HBCU players into the hall who long deserve to be there. Dex one from HBCU realms that needs to get to the hall. And I'm not just saying this because he graduated from the university that you and I went to. It's Ken Riley. He should be the next HBCU player to get into the hall. Yeah, no, the the stats. I mean, matter of fact, I think he's still like number three all time. uh, I just saw something. He's number five all time. Oh, he's dropped. Uh, Yeah, well, but he. But the thing about Ken Riley is he's ahead of Charles Woodson, who just went in in the class of twenty twenty one. Correct. You know, so uh, there's no. I mean, look, they have a veterans committee for a reason. Uh, it, it's sad that Ken Riley is no longer with us and won't be able to sort of receive his flowers, as they, as the kids like to say. But he's the next guy who deserves to get in. And you know what's funny? More and more people are starting to recognize that. I, I have a, I have a feeling, Drew. Twenty twenty two might be the year Riley gets in. I, I've, I think more and more people are recognizing he's moved to that top of the list of guys who have gotten left off guys who are are sort of getting passed over and and it's just hard with the numbers, but, but I think he's that next guy. So I I would not be surprised if in 2022 um, we see Ken Riley uh, be recognized for his accomplishments with the um, Cincinnati Bengals. Correct. Uh, so, yeah, that was a good week. Again, congratulations to the Bill Nunn family, Donnie Shell family, Harold Carmichael, uh, you know, Southern University, South Carolina State. Uh, well-deserved. Well-deserved. You guys, make sure you show some love to those. I think Donnie Shell now, Drew, we were charting this uh, back when we were doing the 50. I think Johnny, Donnie Shell is now the only HBCU legend – I got to be careful how I say this. He is in the MEAC Hall of Fame, the College Football Hall of Fame, the Black College Football Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Am I missing any Hall of Fames? I I think there may only be one other person that's in as many, or he might be the only one. And I'm pretty sure he's in his high school Hall of Fame, too. Uh, right, and, and I'm sure the South Carolina State Hall of Fame as well. So, yes. in terms of every athletic Hall of Fame, he might be in there. I, I would have to go digging to see who might, who else might be in that in that sort of category with him. But I think Donnie Shell might be the most decorated HBCU athlete. I don't know. That's that's one of those questions we'll have to kind of look up, and maybe we, uh, if you know that question if you know the answer who is the most decorated hbcu athlete you know send us a tweet send us a message at my bcsn1 the number one 
or send uh, Drew and I a message on Twitter and let us know if you have a, you know, an idea. If you've done the research, I, I know we did the research, and and we might be forgetting somebody, but um, I got a feeling uh, if it's not, I. It's somebody out of the, it might be some one other person from the MEAC. I'd be interested to see if anybody comes up with somebody from the SWAC. And so, again, what we're talking about is covering all of the Hall of Fames. You know, is there somebody that is so recognized everywhere? And I think the first, well, I, I'm just going to leave it at that. We'll, we'll like to see what people come up with. Let me move over to another news and notes items, Drew. The, uh... Walter Payton Award preseason watch list came out um, by uh, Stats FCS or more so now. I forgot what they're actually going with now is their name. Uh, I think they're no longer Stats FCS. I think they've kind of changed their name a little bit. But anyway, they are the group that awards the uh, – they, they've been Craig Haley. They've been, they've been recognized in covering – FCS football, obviously the Peyton, the Walter Payton Award is sort of like the Heisman of FCS or 1AA football, as it used to be called. Of course, the Buck Buchanan Award goes to the defensive player. That one, Jordan Lewis won uh, this past spring. But of the 35 players on the preseason watch list, only four guys from out of the HBCU realm. Three of them are quarterbacks. You had Jawan Carter of Norfolk State. Uh, of course, a Quill Glass of Alabama A&M, who was a finalist this past spring for the Peyton Award. Felix Harper of Alcorn State, who was a finalist for the award in 2019. And then you had Jamaine Martin, a running back from North Carolina A&T, uh, who was a 2019 finalist. So, uh, question for you, Drew. Are we underrepresented? in an award that is named after an HBCU player. And I'll even take this step going towards the Buck Buchanan Award. Are we underrepresented? Are we making too big a deal about being underrepresented in in an award list that is named after an HBCU player? How many people are on the list again? 35 on the preseason watch list for HBCU players. So... We have we have a, a thirty five. We've got about twelve percent, eleven twelve percent. I think I think that's a fair fair representation. What would scare me is if you looked at the total number of African American candidates on that list and see if we are underrepresented overall as a as a class of people or a class of ethic. But four, we've got what? 21, 22 teams out of how many FCS teams are there? Um, I believe there are about 130 something FCS teams. We've got 20, 22. Uh, we did this. We did this the other day. 22, I think it is. Correct. So, when you look at that at those numbers, we're right about where we should be. Yeah. Um. The last time, I was just trying to see if I could pull up here quickly. The last time that 
an HBCU player won this award, you care to you care to take a stab at the last time? Should be real easy to think about. What did somebody win it last year? Uh, no. the last football year we had. No, that was that was the uh, Buck Buchanan Award okay. defense. All right, I knew so, I knew we had an HBCU player won one of those majors awards. Right, o- offensively though, this should be real easy. You got to just Steve go back McNair. to when we were in college. Yes, Steve yes, McNair. there you go. Exactly. Um, as soon as you said there. offense. <laughs> right. Well, it's an offensive award. Right. Uh, before him was Walter Dean in 1990. He was a running back. So this award started in 1987. So you go all the way up to 2020. Now, the young man who was the award winner last year from out of southeastern Louisiana, uh, he's back for another year. I- I'll ask you this question. Do you think that when, when they get down to the finalists, I personally expect Glass, Harper, Martin to all be there. Any other names that you can think of that might end up in that finalist category? I think when they get to the finalists, I think it gets down to maybe about a dozen guys, maybe 10 guys. Right. Any other names that you can think of that might actually find their way onto this list? I'm going to go contrary to you. Glass. Either Glass or Harper will not be there. Both will not be there. Oh, wow. Really? Why do you say that? I think whoever wins their head-to-head matchup is going to be the person on the list. Do they play head-to-head this year? Um, Before I just say that. But I think we're going to get one of those two players. Um. Uh, do they play this year? As I'm going through my my grid sheet, uh, no, we do not get okay. a disregard disregard everything Alabama I just said. Unless they beat in the championship <laughs> game, right? That that's where it would have to happen. It would have to happen in the uh, in the in the uh, SWAC championship game, right? I do think Jamaine Martin will be there. You think Martin will be there? Definitely. Um, I'm interested about Carter. I, I think, you know, looking at his progression, uh, he's never passed for over 3,000 yards in a season. Uh, he, he's, he was on a slow build from his sophomore to junior year, which was 2019. Uh, and, and I think he's played in a lot of games. I think he played in about 10 games of 11 during his sophomore year starting. Played in 12 um, um, I actually played in 12 games as a junior, but he really, it'll be interesting to see if the Dawson Odom's offense allows for his passing numbers to go up, you know, but I, I don't know. I, you know, it's tough for me to try to try to see who might get added into that list. You know, could somebody like Xavier Smith at Florida A&M who uh, he's an all American preseason, all American depends on who his quarterback is. Yeah, yeah, it might be hard for a receiver. I mean, look, we we thought Chris. Remember, Chris, remember the year of Chris Roland, Chris yes. Roland of Tennessee State. Now was I thought years he ago? got screwed. Uh, that would have been twenty eighteen, I believe. Nineteen. Uh, it was one of those two years, eight, nineteen or eighteen, right? Nineteen, it might have been. Yeah, he, yes. he got screwed. He got screwed. I, in my opinion, the man broke Jerry Rice's record. Uh, he was leading the nation. I, I still don't understand how he didn't win the award that year, but anyway. I know he was a finalist, 
but I, I still don't understand how he didn't win the award, but, but I guess his team, you know, let's be real. His team was about a 500 team that year. So about, that probably not contributed. quite about <laughs> right about at, at. so yeah, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Um, I have to do some digging on that. We'll have to do some, do some thinking and see whether somebody else might fill in and might make an appearance on that Walter Payton award list. You, you guys out there, let us know if you have some candidates uh, that might end up being part of the, either the, I'll say by mid season, if you guys have some people that you think might be on a mid season or even the, uh, the end of the year list, you know, let us know, let us know if you got some names that we should be looking out for one final news and notes, drew Benedict college taking on Kentucky state in the circle city classic. Hey, Brian, before you get into that one, cause I know this was going to be a long rent. No, no, it's not going to be a long rent. You sure? Not at all. Huh? You sure? Well, it, What's what's long? I, I, I see you stutter. It's gonna be a long. No, no, no. Rate. How much time are you gonna give me? How much time are you gonna give me? I, well, I was go. I was gonna get into two other stories before we go into that one. All right, go ahead. I'll let you jump. Go ahead, jump the gun. Go ahead. Two other stories. Right. Go ahead. Fire away. Uh, if you happen to catch the pregame show earlier today, or well, today being Monday, so this would be yesterday by the time this comes out. Uh, Deion Sanders has a documentary come out. Coach Prime, which is uh, Barstool Sports, and they were they are chronicling that first season of Jackson State football. Go to the pregame show to find out more information on this documentary that'll be coming out at the end of the month on YouTube, and where to watch it and the links and everything else. So please go to our sister podcast, the pregame show. We, de- we debuted uh, the trailer this morning. All right. And one last one, non-football related. Kwanzaa Murray uh, signed an overseas contract with, let me make sure I get the team, Brunel of the Ireland Super League. Uh, is basketball player, former basketball player for the Lincoln Lions, Lady Lions. In Pennsylvania. Uh, so, congratulations to Anza Bird. All right. And what so, school does she go to again? Let people. Lincoln of PA. Okay. All right. So, let, All right. Let, let, let's do this break before you go on your rant. Oh, then you're going to push me to a break. Oh, we're not it's because it's, oh, okay, it's called a I tease. I see what you did. We'll, it's we'll, called we'll, we'll meet you in at the end of the show. That, that's all right, because I know it's a tight window. I see what you did. You, you pushed my rent to the side. That's fine. It's, it's that's called right. a tease. We got a lot to do, so I don't want to waste our time ranting about the Circle City Classic. So let's take a break. We come back. We're going to get into the SIEC, the uh, MEAC, and the Big South. And uh, then maybe, maybe if time allows, Drew will let me get into my rant about the Circle City Classic coming up on season number 36 coming up this fall featuring Benedict and Kentucky State. If nothing else, I gave you that info, but I got a better rant about that a little bit later. So let's take a break, come back, get into uh, these uh, media days from these uh, HBCU conferences 
uh, SIAC, MEAC, and Big South. Well, yeah, we'll talk about Hampton and North Carolina A&T in the Big <laughs> South. Um, we'll do that. So coming up after the break, you're watching the Sports Wrap. Brian and AD, we'll be back right after these words. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Both of my great-grandfathers have been a part of that study. My roots in environmental health come from my great-grandfathers. They were sharecroppers, and then later they were able to own land for their family for generations to come. My ancestors' connection to the land has given me a strong care for our environment and how that environment influences human health. I am a fierce advocate for equitable treatment for all. The ways in which COVID-19 ravaged Black communities show that we have underlying vulnerabilities when something like a pandemic hits. The path from tragedy to triumph travels along the path of learning. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your fam. It's like a loot machine. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. Uh, make sure to download the uh, Jericho Broadcast Networks app on your, uh, just go to your Google or Apple Play Store. My JBN, my BCSN is the search and download that app. Uh, and that's where you can download and be up to date with all of our shows across our streaming platforms, not just sports. There's other stuff out there as well. Some other uh, types of shows. So, uh, the Jericho Broadcast Networks. We do more than sports over there. Uh, but if you are a sports head, then you have to make sure you're a part of the BCSN pod zone uh, available everywhere. You download and listen to podcasts. Not only will you uh, hear our show, 
you'll hear the Carlos Brown show. You'll hear the pregame show. You'll hear the uh, ONG Strike Zone, a uh, brand-new podcast dedicated to covering Florida A&M University Athletics. You'll hear Dr. Cavill's inside the HBCU Sports Lab and, and all the stuff they do. Brave Talk with Charles Edmond covering Alcorn State, uh, soon to be coming, the B.J. Jones Show. I mean, we're, we, we're putting together a nice little lineup, Drew, where – Don't forget the pregame show. I, yeah, I, I did, but we can give him another plug. The pregame show, you know, Jackson State University. So whether it's just Wait, general what about sports your new conversation. Show? Uh, I, I, did I mention the ONG Strike Zone? I did. Okay. Yeah, yeah the ONG Strike Zone. I, we'll give it another plug covering Florida A&M. So whether it's school-specific, school-related, or general topic, uh, we, we're, we're covering all angles. And more will be coming. So uh, just, you know, stay tuned with us okay so let's get into talking a little bit about the siec and then we'll transition over into the um fcs with the miac and big south so one of the first things i thought drew that came out of the siec media day and it was actually what took place before the preseason um media day was the announcement that the siec was going to mandate that all athletes and staff members are required to be fully vaccinated to participate in SIAC sponsored events. And so I believe they are still as of, let me see, that came out sometime about late July. Here we are into about this going into the second week of August. I believe they're still the only conference that mandates or is mandating something of that uh, to that effect. Do you, to the best of your knowledge, that sound about correct? Correct. Yeah, so this was uh, something that came down from uh, Commissioner Gregory Moore. And, you know, you shouldn't be surprised at this because this was the conference home of Morehouse College, the first school to actually make the decision back in 2020, I believe, April of, I think April or March or somewhere, or April or May. June. Okay, Uh, yes, you're right, yeah that they said, no, we don't see a turn in this COVID and we're not going to play any athletics whatsoever in the upcoming 2020, 21 school year. Um, and then, of course, right after Morehouse made that decision. The rest um, of the conference follows suit. Right, the rest of the conference follows suit. So you saw the Ivy Leagues do something similar. CIAA. Uh, so, so, yeah, CIAA. So uh, just um, – so the league maintained, uh, let's see, what, 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 within the con- this is a quote from Gregory Moore, within the context of rising COVID-19 infection rates, student athletes are a particularly vulnerable stakeholder group who as a result of their athletic participation are required to travel off campus and compete against and interact with college athletes on other campuses. These athletic related activities not only increase the risk of exposure to our student athletes, but also increase the risk of exposure to their classmates and other campus stakeholders once those athletes return to campus. Um I you know what what are your thoughts on the, on this one Drew because I I I do applaud the conference for sort of taking the stance um whether I agree in the that statement I understand where it's coming from but but just in general are you surprised here we are conferences like the SWAC 
coming out and saying that they want everybody vaccinated that or you run the risk of forfeiting games um what, what's your thought on the sic stance to sort of mandate something like this from everybody they are walking a fine line and a very fine tightrope. How so? Legally, can you mandate this? And this is not just for the SAC. This is something that's going on throughout all of society. Someone, somewhere, maybe not the SAC, but somewhere, somebody is going to get this thing into court. Can you mandate that I have to take this vaccine? And it's this specific vaccine. Because we all know you've got to have certain shots before you go to kindergarten. You've got to have certain shots before you go to middle school, high school, et cetera, et cetera. So, but this particular vaccine, can you mandate it? Especially when it is still, keep this in mind, on an emergency basis, has not been fully cleared by the FDA. Yeah. So, and I think that may have something to do with some possible legal maneuvering people could do because it's not 100% in by the FDA. It's still an emergency usage stage you're you're real connected to uh, uh different schools within the sic what are you hearing about is there any pushback uh, they do you have room do you have time to push back i mean you're a month away from the start of your season what, what's the vibe from your people that you've spoken to about this from the couple of people i've spoken to thus far it's not a big pushback but what happens when that Team's quarterback. One of those teams you expect to finish first or second place or to contend in the SIAC pushes back for whatever reason. Or B, they cannot take the vaccine because there are still a small class of people who want to take the vaccine but cannot for health reasons or religious reasons. So where does that leave First of all, that individual, that relationship between the individual and the coach, the individual and the institution. You know, there's a lot that can go into it. I hope we don't get to that point, but you have to consider the what if. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how the season goes for the SIC. I don't know if that means there shouldn't be any cancellations, you know, um, and how would they this attack upcoming that? Year. How are they going to attack that? Yeah. We already yeah. know the um, policy from the SWAC. Right. And, right. But the SWAC policy is if it's player related, player, multiple yeah. players get it, you got to send them out. No one has answered the question what happens if a city says, you can't play football here or you, and wow. you can't travel like let's take Howard last year. Yeah. Howard could not go to South Carolina state. South Carolina state could not go to Howard. 
but Iowa could go to Dale State. So, what happens if we get into yeah, that situation again? Yeah, let, let's pray that doesn't happen. <laughs> I, 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 I think we're too about far COVID. down the road. Go ahead. One other thing about COVID. I saw this uh, on the news program over the weekend. I'm not going to say which one I was watching. But they showed the map with the states that have had like 150 and above percent increase in COVID over the last two weeks. I I looked at that map. Huh? I'm going to tell you what those are. If you took that map and took the SWAC map, it was identical except for one state. And that uh, state was Missouri, because Missouri, Missouri is not in the SWAC. Other than that, every other SWAC state was on that map. And, and just like the SWAC map skips the state of Georgia, that map skipped the state of Georgia. What did it look like in the uh, in the footprint of that? Well, the footprint of the SIC is not too dissimilar. The footprint um, of the SIC is very you know similar, I, except for Georgia. I, well, you know what? I got a feeling Georgia's not reporting. I, I have a feeling Georgia may not be reporting um, numbers. I, I don't know that to be true, but... I live here. There's a, it would not surprise me. Yeah, okay. All right. Because talking to um, a few health health care officials that I know here in the community where I live, yeah, it's very underreported. Yeah, that's so. I yeah, I wouldn't be that wouldn't be surprised. I know they do something similar down here in Florida, but I, I guess I, it just, just got so was, bad it didn't matter no more without there. Yeah. It, <laughs> hey, watch out now. <laughs> well, they on the map. That's why I said that. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Let's go through the uh, predicted order, finish some he- uh, some headlines or just some, some things to kind of toss out there. Predicted order, finish the Eastern Division, Savannah State, Albany State, Fort Valley State. That's your one, two, three, followed by Morehouse at four, Benedict five, Clark Atlanta six. Uh, now, Edward Waters and Allen are seven and eight, but neither can compete this year for for uh, uh, for the division or in the NCAA tournament or playoffs rather the Western division made up of oh I think I'm forgetting somebody too I got Miles Tuskegee Kentucky State Central State and Lane yes it's That's five your one two three four five yes yeah now what's interesting Drew uh, you know, there are four new coaches in the SIC who actually were supposed to make their debut in 2020, but uh, due to COVID, the shutdown, they didn't get that opportunity. Uh, you've got Sheenus Berry at Benedict College, Bobby Rome II at Central State, Maurice Flowers at Fort Valley State, and Byron Brown at Lane. Uh, and then you've also got uh, Toriano Morgan, who was hired this past summer at Edward Waters. And so, so essentially, you've got five new coaches of your thirteen. And then, really, if you combine the class of twenty nineteen, which consisted of Sean Quinn, 
at Savannah State, Tim Bowens at Clark, Charlie Jackson at Kentucky State, that moves your total to eight. Uh, what is, do the math? What's that? Eight. eight? So, yeah. yeah. So over half of your conference eight consists is a of. Yeah, that's over half of the eight or 13. Well said. That's first or second year head coaches. Uh, and then, of course, you got the legends in there. You got the goats. You've got Willie Slater at Tuskegee since uh, 2006. Is that correct? Correct. Rich Freeman at Morehouse since 07. And then Reginald Ruffin at Miles uh, since like 2010, I believe. And he was um, on Slater's staff when when uh, at Tuskegee. What is what is the what any any thoughts about when you think about the the newness, the 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 lack of experience? Do you draw? Is there anything you can draw from that? The fact, especially the guys who had the year off. I mean, they're guys who were hired that really kind of had to sit on pins and needles for a year just to get their first game under their belt. Can you draw anything from that eight of 13 being first or second year head coaches? Well, let's take some of those first. Well, they're in their second year now. But what did some of those coaches do in their first year? Well, Sean Quinn had the best record in the East at Savannah State. Seven and Uh, 13. Huh? Or seven and three. Seven and three, right. Yeah. What did Kentucky State do? They only Charlie beat Jackson, a couple FCS programs. Yeah, went from winless to seven and three. So, just because these coaches are in their first or their second year does not mean they are neophytes and, le- and learning on the fly. Don't know what they're doing. So, mm-hmm. you've got five coaches this year, correct? Uh, five newbies. Yeah, five first year coaches. Okay. Head coaches. So, based on the numbers, two of those coaches are going to make some noise. Which two coaches are going to make some noise, Brian? Ooh, uh, well, uh, if you ask me which two, uh, you might want to say Fort Valley State. I agree. Um, you know, they, they're ranked, they're preseason number three. And keep in um, mind, I don't, Fort Valley uh, came within the quarterback getting hurt in the Albany State game from being the SIEC representative. Right, and and that and that coach, um, I believe, uh, he's now on Miles' staff, and and the name escapes me right at the moment from um, uh, Fort Valley's former head coach. He's now over at Miles as the offensive coordinator over there. Um, the other team I would go with, Drew, is maybe Bobby Rome over at Central State. They made some improvements to their field, playing on field turf over there. Um, you, you know, I, I've kind of heard some some of the press or some of the video clips and the audio messaging from out of Central State and Bobby Rome. And uh, I, I don't know. He might it, – it'll be interesting to see – how Central State plays now with sort of a, a new environment, a new field, and everything there uh, that 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 should hopefully maybe inject some life into that program. Um, Cedric Pearl, uh, 
former coach over there. Actually, that's who I'm thinking about. I think Cedric Pearl is now over at um, Miles. Cedric Pearl, the former coach at Central State, is now over at Miles. That, that's who I'm thinking of. Okay. So, yeah, now, that, that's, that's Brian, mine too. Speaking of new fields, Central State, did you hear the quote Willie Slater said about keeping up with the Joneses basically in the SIAC. Well, they have to. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, I, I think we, we talked about this as it relates to their schedule and the fact that Tuskegee and their schedule are playing, um, I'm going to pull up their grid here. Um, Tuskegee's playing. Uh, let's see. Do we have it here? They've got the, uh, uh they got the. Uh, They're playing out. Uh, uh, they got the classic on on Labor Day, which is the uh, Red Tails classic. Um, right. They're playing. Right. Okay. And that's against Fort Valley. They're okay. playing Alabama A and M at the end of September in yep. Mobile. September 25th, for, I believe that's the Gulf Shores classic. Okay. Yep. They've got. Alabama State, State, they're going back to the yeah. Turkey Classic, giving up the chance for the Division II playoffs. And right. you throw in the fact that the Tuskegee Boarhouse Classic has moved from Columbus, Georgia, to Birmingham, uh, Alabama, because of a right. larger guarantee. Yeah. And why all these classics? Why all this moving around? Plain and simple. And Coach Slater said, M-O-N-E-Y. Everybody's yeah, getting no. new toys. We need some new toys, too. We've got to upgrade our facilities. Yeah, you, you Tuskegee has fallen behind in the arms race that everyone else seems to be, you know, taking advantage of. And so, you know, how long, how long do you continue to lose – out to the other schools in the SIC, especially Miles, who, I mean, what's the distance between Miles and Tuskegee? Two hours. So, I mean, you you probably lost out on some guys who 10 years ago would have gone to Tuskegee, but now when they look at the facilities at Miles and what Miles has built, I mean, that's where they're going. Correct. So it'll be interesting uh, to, to see how that shakes out. Uh, Especially when you compete line. in the state of Alabama. Exactly. With exactly. all the yeah. uh, programs in the state of Alabama. And, and think about this, Brian. The SEC champ resides in the state of Alabama. The SWAT champ resides in the state of Alabama. What are you trying to say, Drew? You're trying to say Alabama is the is now the cradle the, of college football? I wasn't done. The SIAC oh, champ resides in the state of Alabama. What I'm trying to say, not that they're the cradle of football, they haven't passed Florida, they haven't passed Texas and California, but when it comes to re- recruiting, when you have three other schools with conference or national championships in your state, and your facilities are not up to par, you lose the arms rate real fast. That's what my point is. 
Okay. Um, players of the year, uh, preseason player, offensive player of the year was D'Angelo Durham of Savannah State. Uh, running back, rushed over 1,000 yards, number two in the SIC on just 192 attempts, led the SIC with 12 touchdowns. Defense, preseason defensive player of the year was Mitchell Smiley of Miles, led the Golden Bears in tackles, tackles for loss, was second in sacks, uh, one of only two players in the SIC in 2019 to finish in the top 10 in tackles, tackles for loss, and sacks. So a linebacker needs needs no other introduction that Miles' defense will be pretty good. Uh, a couple of quick questions before we get out of the SIC talk, Drew. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use some. I got five questions here for you, rapid fire for you. Um, you remember the young man from Morehouse, Demetrius Lofton? Yes. 2019 All-American as a sophomore. Where is he? <laughs> I, no, I'm, I'm being dead serious. I And I hope you know, I'm not saying anything that, like, tragically something happened. I did a. I could not find where he's at. I, I was digging all across. So I mean, if, if I pray that nothing's ill happened to. He's playing at somewhere we just don't know where. That's I don't what think he's at Morehouse though. Yeah, I don't believe he's at Morehouse this year. But then again, I don't think the the website, the athletic roster, is up to date. So I could be wrong. If I'm off base here, you guys, just correct me. I, I'll apologize. I, I again, I hope nothing bad happened, but. He he's uh he's one of the guys that I really want. I was disappointed for him last year that uh, he didn't get a chance to play in 2020. Okay, is Savannah State built for a historic season in 2021, Drew? Yes, they are. Now, if you're saying they're gonna blow through the East like they did last year or last time they played, no. But they do have enough to win it. I don't think they're going. I don't think they were going undefeated in the East again. What is their? How far? What is their ceiling in terms of playoffs? Savannah State. Yeah, are, are they playoff contender? With if they run that same type of quirky offense, and it's quirky because you don't see it anymore. The then... pistol shot. The pistol shotgun. Uh, the pistol. Uh, no, what is it? The uh, pistol. Pistol option. triple option. Yeah. Pistol triple option. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's got, it's probably got one more year. That then everybody's going to catch up to it, and you're going to have to change it. All right, next question. Uh, while we are praising Savannah State, we should not forget about what Charlie Jackson did at Kentucky State in 2019, going from winless to 7-3, and three, beat two FCS teams, including Jackson State. Uh, is Kentucky State a contender for the title in 2021? Not as long as Miles and Tuskegee play like they normally play. Okay. Uh, speaking of Tuskegee, can Tuskegee and Albany State restore their dominance in the West and East, respectively? No and no. <laughs> All right, well said. Okay, last question. How long can the SIAC go with uneven division formats? 
You've got eight in the East, five in the West. It's going to have to get solved. There are 15 total institutions in the SIAC. So what they come up with, how they come up with it, it's going to be interesting. For football, since this is we talk about football, you've got six in the East, five in the West right now. You've got the other two that are sitting out there. Allen goes to the East, natural. Ever Waters, even though they're playing the West schedule right now, they should there should be an East because geographically they are the easternmost school in the SIC. But they can keep them in the West until they become a full member. So if you add those two to the East, you've got to shift at least two teams, one if not two teams to the West, because that gives you, you you got 11, that gives you 13. So if you got five right now, you have to shift at least one. You have to go seven, six. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Why why not shift the two Atlanta schools West? You could. You could. Or you you could shift the two South Georgia schools. Being Albany and Fort Valley, but you need to shift two schools together. Well, no, I well hold on, hold on. Think about and I, the fact that you have Kentucky State, Central State, and Lane, all north of Atlanta. To me, it makes no sense to move the South Georgia teams into the West when they would have to drive by Atlanta. Well, you actually don't have to, to drive by Atlanta, but. Well, I, they have to at least go north, right? Yeah, and and, okay. and and realistically, for the Atlanta teams, you you catch Miles Lemoyne, basically down twenty, twenty to twenty two for uh, Lemoyne. You pick up twenty two in Birmingham. Uh, going up north, they catch seventy five, which takes them to Kentucky State and to Central State. Straight down 85 to Tuskegee. So, yeah, it would make sense to keep the two Atlanta teams together and move them over. What's going to be interesting is what they do for the other sports, such as basketball, volleyball, and softball, baseball. Are they going to break them up into three five-team pods? Or are they going to still try to keep their even match? All right. Um, who do you have coming out winning the uh, SIC? Can Miles three peat? Yes. All right. I'll leave it at that. Uh, let's jump over quickly to the MEAC and Big South. Um, the predicted order of finish in the MEAC from one to six. You had South Carolina State coming in with uh, five first place votes. Norfolk State in second with a couple of first place votes. Central, North Carolina Central came in third. Well, actually had every this is crazy. Everybody, I don't know how why everybody got first place votes. I don't know what people are thinking. <laughs> they voted for themselves. <laughs> I, well, I thought you couldn't do that, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> you vote for me, I'll vote you know, for you. You know that old yeah, high school yeah, stuff. So. Yeah, Central, North Carolina Central got two first-place votes. They're picked third. Delaware State, fourth with a one first-place vote. Morgan State, fifth 
with one first place vote. Howard sixth with one first place vote. Yeah, I, I bet you, it, yeah, it makes, you know, Howard, Morgan, Delaware, you guys must have voted for yourselves there. I, I, I can't understand <laughs> you vote. I, I don't know. That seems weird to me. But anyway. That means the coaches people, voted for themselves. The SID voted for who they thought was going to really win it. Yeah, m- many people already assuming or, or with the thought South Carolina State, Norfolk State are the two cream of the crops. I, I tell you, Drew, what's interesting about the MEAC is their non-conference because with the fact that you have a 16 conference, that means you play five non-conference or five conference games. In an 11-game season, your non-conference schedule is more weighted. You play more non-conference games than conference games. I, I don't think that happens in too many leagues for too many teams. So the um, question with that, it, Brian, can the MIAC get a team into the uh, playoffs with that heavy non-conference schedule? I, here's the thing. Here's the here's the the one team that plays a legit. Now I just looked at the top four here. South Carolina State plays one FCS school. Uh, FBS, excuse me. They they travel to Clemson. Okay. okay. Check. Other than that, they play out. They play three schools from the SWAC: Alabama A and M, Bethune. Both of those games. Well, they're at Alabama A and M. They host Bethune. They travel to FAMU. Then they also host North Carolina A and T. So among HBCUs, those are four. I mean, don't, look, that's let's basically real. a tradition HBCU schedule. It is, and that's a that's a four. That's a slobber knocker of a non conference schedule right there. Right. Um, you know, I I think who who you know, has the two best and two, three and one. What were you going? Well, I was going to say, hold on, hold on. South Carolina State's got also a game against New Mexico State, uh, and I, but that's an FCS uh, school as well. So they are the only ones that really play that don't have a Division Two or an NCCA team. I mean, Norfolk State they play a Division Two school and they play the NCCA uh, Virginia Lynchburg. Lynchburg. Uh, Central Central plays Winston Salem, Division Two. Morgan State, uh, really from just strength of schedule, they're playing teams out of the NEC. So, I, in terms of competition wise, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, Morgan Morgan State should be able to get some wins. If they can't get wins against those teams in the NEC, then they're they're in trouble. So, uh, what, what was your what was your? So I just wanted to point that out. But go ahead with your question. You were going to ask. You've got the schedule right there in front of you. Let's yeah. assume South Carolina State is the BI representative celebration bowl. Yeah. Do any of the other five teams have a schedule that's strong enough to get them into the FCS playoffs? Um. Central. I, I mean, short of Norfolk State knocking off Toledo or Wake Forest. Um, I, but does I, I the, think the Wake Forest State's, game count in the FCS rankings? What? I'm sure they should. They would. Yeah, they're Division One. 
Yeah, but you know, just like for Division Two, those FCS games do not count in the ranking. Yeah, but that's that's Division Two versus Division One, though. This is legitimate Division One. I mean, look, we can we can. I, talk I, I, about I mean, I don't I don't remember because it's been, it's been too. I years. don't either. I don't either. Yeah, I don't either. But but I, if if Norfolk State beats a Toledo or a Wake Forest, you best believe they're going to get some consideration in the rankings. No doubt. Now, my my question, Brian, is Dawson Odoms that much of an impact where Norfolk should be preseason number two? Um, given what they have coming back, I mean, if you take a look at their the number of players that they have on the preseason um, watch list, or I'm sorry, on their on their conference. Um, prediction. I mean, this is a loaded squad. I mean, you've got a quarterback, a running back on the uh, first team preseason offense, <clears throat> wide receiver, tight end, two offensive linemen. Um, nobody else in the conference has that many guys on offense. I mean, that's that's uh, six guys. Six of the 11 on the first team are from your school. Then you go on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, three of the four on the front line are from your school. And they're all seniors or redshirt seniors. Um, then you go, they've got a linebacker. Um, special teams seems to be well-regarded. This is a veteran ball club. This, this Norfolk State team is really made up of a lot of seniors, redshirt seniors. <clears throat> um it would be a disappointment for Norfolk State not to win the conference. I'm gonna be honest with you. It really is. It'd be a different. It'd be a disappointment. Uh, so, I don't know how how they will fare against uh, Toledo or Wake Forest, but I think they should walk into those games with a level of confidence. <clears throat> there, there shouldn't be any apprehension about you know, going into Toledo and Wake Forest. And and then the rest of their non-conference, you got East uh, ECSU, St. Francis from out of the NEC, you got Hampton, and then you got Virginia Union Lynchburg. So it's sort of an uneven non-conference where you've got, you got two FBS, two FCS, and two sub-FBS. CS teams. I don't know what you make of that, you know? It's going to be interesting. I, I just think, yeah, no, I mean, and, and for Norfolk State, the way the schedulers did the schedule, I mean, look at this. It's you almost know, more it's beneficial awesome. if South Carolina State does not win the BAC. They've got a schedule better suited to go to the FCS playoffs. Look. South Carolina State, if that non-conference schedule holds, if they end up beating, I, I mean, I'm just going to go between A&M, Bethune, FAMU, A&T. Uh, let's just say they'll probably lose to Clemson, right? They can't lose to New Mexico State. But among those four HBCU teams, let's say they go two and two. Then they end up with three losses overall, eight and three record, eight and three for South Carolina State. And that means they run the table in the MEAC, eight and three, 
that's a strong team. I mean, they they would go to the that, celebration bowl. Yes. But damn, I mean, that's a team that might be top fifteen ranked going into the celebration bowl. I mean, they would almost look that last game of the year, November twentieth, between South Carolina State at Norfolk State. Let's say both teams are running the table, right? Let's say Norfolk State wins that game and goes to the MEAC Celebration Bowl. A, a three-loss South Carolina State team goes to the playoffs. What, yeah, but I, I don't know who. But again, think about what I said. Who are they playing in that non-conference? I mean, that's six. Th- that is by far. I, I can't think of anybody who has a tougher non-conference schedule than South Carolina State. That's absolutely brutal. Uh, the good thing is it's not all away. You know, they, they host Bethune, they host A&T, they travel to A&M, they, tra- they travel to both A&Ms. So, I mean, it. I, I just think that's a that's a hell of a schedule um, that South Carolina State has in front of you. But, um, look, if anybody, you know, Buddy Pugh, if anybody can do it, that's that team, Buddy Pugh. Um, a couple of key games within the MEAC, I think, Drew, that people ought to pay attention to. How about... Uh, September, obviously, not talking about the uh, the uh, MEAC SWAC Challenge. Obviously, that's week zero. How about Bowie State traveling to Delaware State week one? You talk about a Bowie State team that has not lost a regular season game in two years since 2018. Yes. I think is what we can say officially. Yes. Going to Dell State. Um Hampton and Howard playing in D.C. at Audi Field, 20,000-seat soccer stadium. Uh, that game should be sold out. If that game's not sold out, I'd be disappointed. Uh, Winston-Salem State taking on North Carolina Central. They haven't played since 2010. Uh, Winston-Salem State won that game. I guess those teams had played each other for almost every year for at least a good 10-year stretch plus. And then the series kind of came to an end when North Carolina Central moved up uh, into, well, I think actually they'd already been up. So that game just, that series just kind of came to an end. Uh, of course, you got Central and A&T playing on week four. Hampton and Norfolk State, there's a there's a uh, Chesapeake a Bay rival. What's that, Battle, Battle of the Bay, I think it is, something yeah. like that. Uh, I love the fact that South Carolina State is mixing it up with Bethune and uh, A&T and FAMU. It's just like, we can't quit you. It's like, I'm sorry, you guys may have left, but we can't quit you. We we may ruin your regular season bid for a black college national championship. You know what the young kids will say or something about like that? What's that? That's my cheat. <laughs> is that what they say? Oh my yeah, God. When, when you got that one on the side, that's my cheat. They can't get it up. That's my cheat right there. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so I also want to make a quick mention. So that's the MEAC. Anything you want to add about the MEAC before I make a quick mention about the Big South and A&T and Hampton? No, I was going to say that let's do this quick break. Come back with A&T, Hampton, and your rent on the Circle City class. Oh, wow. All right. We'll be back right after these words. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD will be back right after these words. 
When you're looking for the latest information on Southern University sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. Um, can I get the now bar, please? One dollar. Have a good one. Got it. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Let me get a now bar. Sure. One dollar. Appreciate you. Got it. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. True Black Essentials is a retail opportunity to bring black businesses under one roof where every product on every shelf in every aisle will be black owned and black produced by people all over the world. Statistics show that the $1.3 trillion of spending power that we have as black people can easily be turned into each black person having $2 million if we were to shop black for two years. So True Black Essentials will launch an e-commerce store on November 1st, 2020, but we will open up brick and mortar stores in Atlanta, New Orleans, Charlotte, Houston, and Jacksonville with the very first store opening in Atlanta, June 19, 2021. to get in ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. It's like a loop machine. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. We're into overtime because uh, obviously, you know, we we lied to you. We told you it'd be an hour show. We tried. We didn't lie. We, we tried. tried. We did. We did. We honestly did try. Um, we, we just finished talking about the SIC and the MEAC in that last segment. Want to give a quick mention to the Big South, of course, um, more so specifically North Carolina A&T and Hampton. The Aggies... Uh, came in preseason ranked number three in the uh, Big South. Hampton number seven. Uh, this is an eighteen football league. A uh, and T comes in third behind Monmouth, 
who received 16 of the 17 or 16 of the 18 first place votes. Kennesaw State, uh, located right outside of Atlanta, northern Atlanta, came in second. It also happens that uh, now, now we talk about why A&T made the move to Big South uh, and, and whether you, you know, I, I don't know if, look, we, we, we can debate all day as to whether the Big South is better than the SWAC. I'm not really sure it is. I don't think it is, uh, you know, but in terms of perception by pollsters, uh, not one SWAC team is ranked in the top 25 of the stats perform FCS top 25. But you do have Monmouth of the Big South coming in at 13. Kennesaw State, 19. And North Carolina a t at 25. So three teams from out of that conference. And so when you look at it from that level, you know, make you. Know, I understand why the perception there may not always be reality, but the perception seems to be feeding uh, the, the support behind A&T making that move, and now they're the in rea- the, they're they're ranked. The reality is, the SWAT has not beaten any FCS teams. In the past that's the what, five truth. years. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's, that's the why you don't see any SWAT teams ranked. And exactly. the BAC teams have dominated among the HBCUs at the Division One level. Henceforth, when A&T switches over from the BAC to a non-HBCU conference, they're going to continue that. And... and AT has beaten other FCS, including SWAC teams. Right. Yep. Well said. Well said. Yep. Uh, whether it be Bethune beating SWAC teams, you had South Carolina State beating FCS uh, other teams. So, yeah, I mean, that that's the disappointing thing. So The SWAC needs to start off by beating the 13th team in the SWAC. Oh, yeah. McNeese. Yeah, well, that that falls on the shoulders of uh, is it Southern this year that plays McNeese State? You know, or, or McNeese Grammar? always picks up two swag teams yeah, on the yeah. schedule. Yeah, so that that's where it needs to start. You need to take out that that now thirteenth member in McNeese State, and you got to end that streak. Somebody has to. Yes. Um. Oh, of course. A and T in primes in a prime spot. Uh, to, to, you know, if they can, uh, let's be realistic. It'll be interesting to see whether and how A&T fares against Monmouth. Okay, actually, a better way of putting it, how does Monmouth deal with A&T and, and the speed that we would perceive North Carolina A&T to have? You know, I, I'll be honest. I, I, I understand, you know, uh, uh, I do know North Carolina AT is going into this season with a quarterback question. Yeah. I mean, the quarterback from Celebration Bowl, uh, I believe it was uh, I, I, Carter was his yeah. name, um, who had served his time behind Lamar Raynard. Uh, he's not there. So this is a new generation. This is a new – this is a reset at the quarterback position for a Yes, Jermaine Martin is there. 
We know what he can do. Uh, some of the defensive standouts have graduated. Now, they'll tell you they reloaded. I get it. So let's just see. Yeah. And I, I think when we when we see them, and I'm just kind of looking here at their first game, when they travel to Furman in week one uh, against an FCS, and we talked about it, there's your test. I mean, they've beaten other FCSs before, PWI FCSs. Go beat Furman right off the bat. Well, you know, you know the question that I have for A&T, Brian? It all revolves around atmosphere. When they go to a Furman or a Kennesaw State or a Monmouth, will they be as hype they and amped up as they will when they go on the road and travel to a Tallahassee or travel to Central or go to Atlanta? Will they have that same feeling on the road? Because you, you got to realize, even when you are the visiting team and you go into that HBCU atmosphere, it still gets you going, even though you know you're the hated dog. And outside of the greatest homecoming on earth, will A&T fans come out to see them play those historically white institutions. Well, that's why I say atmosphere is going to be key this year. And can they still get hype with the change of atmosphere? I think it'll be interesting that, or I think it is interesting that they scheduled, maybe it just fell this way, but Monmouth, who is the, you know, conference favorite, is their homecoming opponent. So you talk about introducing your fan base to this new conference. You talk about introducing that Monmouth team to your fan base. You know, um, that's a big, that's a, that's going to be a huge game on October 30th in North Carolina, in Greensboro. You know, I mean, here comes Monmouth, the, the defending champs, preseason ranked uh 13th is what i said yeah now and now now they come in at north carolina a&t um for homecoming so you're gonna get you're gonna get the like you i don't know if you're gonna get the twenty thousand for all those other games you will get 25 plus for the greatest homecoming on earth as they call it you will get folks for that and they will show up now my thing is brian Advice to Monmouth for homecoming at a Yes. <laughs> Very much needed advice for Monmouth for homecoming at A&T. Leave the band at home. No one wants to hear Flight of the Bumblebee. That's racist. You know, I, you don't know if Monmouth <laughs> is going to be playing the, the flight of the bumblebee, Drew. Come on now. But, but at homecoming, you can get, just get the whole 20 minutes to A&T. Hey, don't sleep. Monmouth has been practicing neck all summer. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just going to let you know. The, those bands in the Big South, they've been practicing neck all 
all off season, all summer, probably even dating back to the spring. You watch when they when they pull it out, it's gonna blow your mind. You you folks, you haters, you haters are gonna be like, holy cow! No, they're yeah. not playing net. Well, when yeah. we see Doctor Lee get out there on the field, we do, we know something. Anyway, bro, um, I'm ready right, to hear so, your rant. All right, so uh, let's let's kind of <laughs> let's kind of wrap up the show a little bit. I, I I've got to make a quick mention about the Circle City Classic, which. Uh, this year, Benedict and Kentucky State are scheduled to play in that in that contest. Um, I've lost my page in terms of the actual date on that game. Isn't it anyway, last of, Saturday in uh, September? It might be the last. It's usually either the last Saturday or the first last of September or the first of October. Given. Given the schedule, uh, actually, hold on. Let me see. I got my SIC grid here. So let's see. Who did I say? Kentucky State. It's actually the last. Yeah, the last. Actually, September 25th. So that's week four. Yeah, that's the last Saturday in October. Last Saturday in September. September. Yes. Okay. So look, this classic, the classic that basically raised me up on HBCU football. They introduced me to Jerry Rice against Eddie Robinson, Mississippi Valley State, who came to Indianapolis two consecutive years in its inaugural year. Then it introduced me to Billy Joe and Florida A&M in year number three. I fell in love with Florida A&M despite getting whooped 41 to three by Billy Joe in 1986. There was no comparison to seeing the marching hundred uh, that year, uh, you know, and then and then two years later when they were in a 10-10 tie against Jackson State. And, and after that, this classic uh, would bring in 60,000 people into what was then RCA, uh, the RCA Dome in Indianapolis. Probably one of the greatest MIAC games ever played was in 1996 between FAMU and Hampton. Went six overtimes, FAMU winning 59-58. to I remember being at that game. And then something happened in the last 10 years where no longer was it attractive for your FCS schools. Matter of fact, prior to 2018, now 2018 you had Hampton versus Bethune-Cookman. Uh, that was actually a great game. You had... Um, uh, who was the quarterback from Howard at that time? Um, Cam's brother. Um, Jalen? Jalen. Kalen. Kalen. I'm sorry. Kalen Newton uh, leading Bethune-Cookman or leading Howard to a win over Bethune-Cookman. Uh, I, I think we had a 28-28 halftime score, if I recall correctly. An outstanding first half um, of offense. But in the in the four years prior to that, you had a, you had a, literally, Drew, this was the matchup for four consecutive years. Kentucky State versus Central State for four consecutive years prior to that. I don't understand that. Then you had last, uh, in 2019, you had Kentucky State against Jackson State. A, the, the year before, a winless Kentucky State under new head coach Charlie Jackson beating Jackson State, an FBS team excuse me, an FCS team being beaten by a Division II team. Uh, I mean, a historic game. And so now what you have is now you have an SIAC matchup where, again, Kentucky State makes their, let me count it out here, fourth, fifth, 
six of the last seven Circle City Classics have featured Kentucky State. And I know Frankfurt, Kentucky is close, but come on. I mean, what are we doing in Indianapolis? What is Indiana Black Expo doing? Why can't Indiana Black Indiana Black Expo get with the, the sports commission? I mean, here's the city of Indianapolis, a, a city that is home to the Final Four, the Big Ten Championships. Uh, this year, the college football playoff championship games. Um, major events come to Indianapolis. Why can't we get a pair of premier HBCU programs. Noah, with all respect to Benedict and Kentucky State, okay? Good teams, good programs. The SIAC, very historic. I get it. But how come How come no one is, is thinking creatively enough to say, how about, and, and I got this idea, I can't take this idea all by myself. I mean, this was an idea that myself, got to give some credit to uh, uh, Mike Reed, um, um, a, a fellow Rattler, we, we were kind of kicking this out on one of the message boards or one of the Facebook groups. Imagine if, uh, imagine a four-year or a, even a six-year rotation consisting of four teams. Imagine these teams, Florida A&M, Tennessee State, North Carolina A&T, Hampton. You've got one school represented from pretty much each of the uh, major conferences. Obviously, you don't have anybody from the MEAC, but, you know, maybe, you know, maybe in the future you, you might add somebody. But imagine a rotation very similar to what they do in basketball. You know, they, when, they, when they, they have this thing called the Champions Classic, Kentucky, Duke, Kansas and uh, Michigan State, and they just rotate every year. It's a new game, but you've got four of the premier programs in one building. They play a back-to-back doubleheader, and they just rotate it every three or four years. I mean, imagine a cycle like that for a four-year period. I mean, in year one, you could have FAMU versus Tennessee State. Year two, A&T versus Hampton. Year three, Tennessee State versus A&T. Year four, Hampton versus FAMU. Year five, FAMU versus A&T. Year six, Tennessee State versus Hampton. No conference games, no nothing on the line for conference, but look, you're talking about 55,000, minimum 50. You're going to hit close to 60 in Lucas Oil Stadium for these games. Bring the bands. Make the guarantee worth it for these schools to come out. Give them a million dollars each. The money's in the coffers somewhere. Think about the business that'll be coming to the city of Indianapolis from these fan bases. We know FAMU travels. Tennessee State, four hours away. A&T, we recognize how at Aggie Pride, they will travel. Hampton travels as well. Four great fan bases that will come to the city of Indianapolis and rebuild this once great historic uh, classic going into year number 36, it deserves more. Again, all respect to Kentucky State, Benedict, the SIC. I don't mean to, to, to throw, to sling mud at their way, but this is really a call to action to the city of Indianapolis, the leaders of Indiana Black Expo, the, the, the city event organizers in the city of Indianapolis, 
it's time to get back to owning the best classic featuring non-traditional rivals. Again, I'm not talking about the Bayou, not talking about the Magic City, not talking about the Florida Classic where you have a static opponent every year. I'm talking, or even the Southern Heritage Classic, in fact, I'm talking new teams every year. Let's find the money, get the television contract set up for these teams to come. I don't care if it's on Fox, Paramount Plus, Netflix, AOL, Amazon, whoever, you know, Amazon Prime. Somebody come up with the money to make this happen. But it's time for the Circle City Classic to reclaim its place as a premier, as the premier football classic for HBCU football. I'm done, Drew. Thanks for the time. I'm dropping by Mike as we go. All right, that's, that's going to do it for the sports wrap. Uh, if you're watching us, make sure you follow us in all the spots on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at MyBCSN1. Make sure you download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app, MyJBN, MyBCSN. Uh, there you see Drew and me at DRB365 is where you can find me on Twitter. At BCSN Drew is where you can find Drew. Be a part of the BCSN pod zone everywhere. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, everywhere that you can download and listen to all of our shows. The family of the Black College Sports Network continues to grow. We want to be there for you, giving you all the kinds of all kinds of coverage, unique views, unique perspectives, not only from schools, but in uh, black college athletics in general. So uh, that's going to do it for this show. Thank you again. Uh, website, mybcsn.net. Uh, Drew, thank you for giving me that moment to rant. I appreciate it. Woosa, I appreciate That's that. why I put it at the end. Because I knew you was not going to be able to stop. Well said. All right, for uh, that's AD Drew. I'm Brian Fulford. Thanks for listening. We want to hear from you. We hope to hear from you. Until the next time we get together and do again, Peace and love. You guys be well. Mask up. Get vaccinated if you can. God bless. Ahala. But you stay